Hello, and welcome to the 21st episode of Adam Alonzi's podcast. Tonight I am speaking with Christine Gaspar about cryonics, and specifically, cryonics in Canada. So I'm wondering what got you interested in cryonics. That seems like a fairly unusual thing to dive into. And I met Ben and Gary Tripp, and I remember meeting Keith Henson, and Keith was protesting with a picket sign in front of the Scientology building in Toronto. And I thought, what a bunch of weirdos. And um, they stuck with me. It was the strangest first interview or first meeting I've ever had with, with people. But um, they were just such nice people. And i spoken with Ben at length on the telephone about cryonics. Um, but as to when I first heard about it, I really don't know. I don't remember. It just sort of sunk in. Yes, it was a perfectly organic process. It's been with me ever since, and it's been part of my life ever since, so. So, this is something that appears in popular media. People talk about suspended animation and mm -hmm. freezing yourself, this and that. What exactly is the process? What happens and what do the terms mean? To understand the process, you really need to understand what we mean by death. This is a really important concept for understanding cryonics and how it could work. Um, death really isn't an on and off switch. Death is a, a process that a person goes through that becomes more and more irreversible. Um, and the concept of cryonics, or the idea, is to stop the dying process before that person becomes irretrievably lost. Um, that threshold, or that gray area, gets pushed back every year um, as medicine progresses and, and makes new discoveries. But um, ultimately, we catch a person between what's called legal death and what's called biological death. And legal death is when a person stops breathing and their heart stops beating and the doctor says, okay, you're dead and I won't make any attempt to resuscitate you because I don't know how. Biological death really means that so much information or so much of their brain is damaged that they're really, in all intents and purposes, gone and, and you can't bring them back. So cryonics means to cool a person because cooling that person slows and eventually stops the damage from continuing um, and, and using the cooling process to halt the damage that's taking place, the necrotic damage um, from the dying process so that hopefully the moment that we give up on that person today won't necessarily be um, a moment that a future physician would would give up on, on that person, that they could still be fixable. Does that make sense? Yes, I remember in a couple different interviews with Max Moore, he says, you have the option of storing your body and your head, but I assume that when I am thawed out, they're going to be able to just print off these bodies. Put my head I back on. I still have an emotional attachment to my body. I mean, I have a scar that I remember getting when I was five in Boston from a pair of clogs. And 
I have a tattoo that I got when I was 20 and, and I mean my body is part of me and my identity and I intend to hold on to as much of me as I can. We don't really understand identity yet. We don't understand consciousness yet. And I'm not really willing to discard parts of me unless I really need to. Um, unless it's clear that preserving my brain um, will rely upon discarding other parts. Yeah, that is a fascinating topic in and of itself, whether being transplanted to another body would alter your thought process and processes in some fundamental way. But I, it is I, I've heard a lot just to store a brain. It is, but until we solve the problem of consciousness, I don't think we should be discarding parts of us unless we really need to. Um, I'm not saying that my consciousness lies in my left hand, but... Um, we really don't understand at all where, where consciousness is um, is processed or, or where it's manufactured in, in our minds or in our nervous systems. And I'm just not ready to be parting with parts of me just yet. So I'll hang on to what I can if it's possible. Of course, give it priority to the brain. Right, the nervous system it goes throughout the body, and that's why in things like Gestalt and Reikian therapy, we hear about people releasing memories while releasing tension from particular parts of their body. Mm, I've never heard that, but... But we can... <laughs> we can safely assume that having a brain is the top priority. Now... I would agree something that detractors say, even some very intelligent people like Michio Kaku claim that cryonics is freezing and freezing causes water to expand which ruptures the cells. That's actually not correct and um, I, I think that Michio Kaku may have some old information and I, I'm really actually disappointed to be honest that he answered that question that way because he is respected by many people as, um, as um, a leading uh, theoretician, a leading phys uh, physicist, and his, his word carries weight, even if he's not a cryonicist. So to have that meme out there is disappointing, and it is a challenge to, um, to try to correct it. Max Moore, Dr. Moore, has done a wonderful job of correcting him. Um, water doesn't expand within cells when it freezes. It actually causes shrinkage of cells as it um, as it crystallizes in the intracellular um, spaces. Um, but having said that, um, vitrification technology that we use today has gone a long way towards minimizing um, any form of ice crystal damage um, during the cooling process. So. His information is not only incorrect, but it's also old. And if I remember correctly, the video he released was not that old. So he is working mm -hmm. with outdated information. And as far as I know, he has not responded to Max. He hasn't, and I've been looking forward to that response, to be honest with you. I was asked this question on CBC Radio and National Radio, and I had that uh, Michio Kaku um, clip played for me for the first time. And I was actually grateful to be able to respond to it because it's wrong, with all due respect. He really needs to, to I hope that he does answer Dr. Moore and that he does accept his challenge to go in to see, to see Alcor and, and to have a good conversation with Dr. Moore because I know that M Michael Shermer has done that. He was a detractor initially 
and now he has actually, um, he may not support cryonics, but he certainly isn't um, against it like he was. And, and that's, um, and Michael Shermer is actually a, a famous skeptic, and he, and he does do some writing for Scientific American. So. It is a little bit disappointing since it's basic cell biology, but he's a physicist, so we'll let it slide. Now, going well, to the present, in British Columbia, there is an issue regarding legality of cryonics. And what is the reasoning? I don't know. There was a law written in about 1990, and it appeared before my time. Um, ben Best tried to contact the British Columbia government to inquire as to what was the origin or the purpose of this law, and he didn't get very far. Um, in fact, the, the, the politicians in British Columbia tend to take offense to anyone in, from outside of the province interfering with their laws. So a, a person from Toronto certainly didn't get very far um, in trying to meddle in the affairs of that of that province. And, I mean, it is what it is. But uh, British Columbia is on our west coast, and Toronto is is not. It's close to New York. And Toronto's the biggest city in the country, and we tend to be bossy when it comes to Canadian affairs, and people in British Columbia don't like that. So when Ben tried to um, try to get to the bottom of things, he really didn't get a good answer as to who brought the law into effect and why and what would cause them to, to write the law in this manner. But he also didn't get very far in lobbying against it, and nor did anyone else since then. Um, they really wanted someone from inside of British Columbia to have an issue with it, and that's finally come to fruition with the um, the suit that's on the table now. So Keegan uh, McIntosh wants to hire the services of the Lifespan Society of British Columbia for uh, suspended like suspended animation services, uh, standby type services um, for a cryonics provider, and. He cannot because the law states that you cannot market nor sell cryonics within the province of British Columbia. And the fines are very high. The fines are tens or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars if you break the law. So it's, it's, not, it's not a parking ticket. Um, and even though there have been people successfully cryopreserved within the province of British Columbia, I mean, this law doesn't say you can't do it. It just says you cannot sell it or offer it. So if a person from British Columbia seeks to have themselves cryopreserved, it can still be lawfully done, but people won't cooperate with you because the law causes a discriminatory attitude towards it. So you can't get funeral doctors to help you, and you can't get doctors to help you because they're like, oh, there's a law, I don't want to get involved. And so therein lies the problem. And uh, this group in British Columbia is going to be challenging this law at the Supreme Court level, which I think is wonderful, and I think it's time has come. It's great publicity. Now to use my high school Latin and have some fun, I'm going to play Diabolus Advocatus. I must ask, is there any good evidence to suggest that cryonics will work with mammals? I mean, we know that amphibians and fish can be frozen. They're fine. Kidney from a rabbit, and they have cooled... I think they brought the kidney down to about minus 70 degrees Celsius, and then they warmed it back up and transplanted it back into the rabbit, and it was a vitrified kidney, and it was functional for at least a few days. This was uh, a while back. Um, obviously, more complex systems, such as the nervous system, um, 
still have yet to be successfully cryopreserved and rewarmed and brought back to a functional state. We are relying on future technology for this. We're relying on technology that we don't have yet, such as, for example, nanotechnology, which would then seek to repair um, molecules, repair cells on a molecular level. And we have proof and concept that this is, is not contrary to the laws of, of physics, but we just aren't there yet. So um, it relies upon technology that has yet to be developed. So even though no guarantees are made, it's pretty clear based on the progress that biology is making that unless you've been shot in the head multiple times, we'll be able to revive you. My contract states that even if I'm a smear on the ground, I want to be taken that smear and I want that smear preserved. I know that sounds horrific, but I work in medicine and horrible things happen to people all the time and I will take any any chance that I have over um, cremation or burial to um, to return. Well, there's an idea from Carl Pribram that you could reconstruct the brain from a single neuron, so hey, maybe. Maybe you're not so crazy. Maybe. It may just take longer. It may take some sort of holographic theory of the universe to, uh, to bring it into fruition. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just think that um, I, any chance that is more than zero is worth, is worth pursuing. Precisely. And how much could it possibly cost to store a handful of neurons? I don't know. A tiny, I mean, it can't handful. be that much. <laughs> Are there any regulatory agencies, or will there be any, for companies like Alcor? At this point, there aren't any laws that are written specifically with cryonics in mind. So cryonics will fall under other um, agencies that already exist. Um, in most cases, it falls under the Funeral um, Services Acts of various states or provinces within the United States and Canada, because that's how you handle legally dead bodies is through the funeral services um, and funeral directors who are licensed to transport human remains across state lines, across provincial lines and across national lines. Um, that's the safest way to go. Um, as well, I believe Alcor uses the um, an act, the uniform, I'm sorry, I forget the name of it in the United States, um, the one that, that has to do with the donation of, of tissue and body parts to science uh, for research. Um, and that's actually a very good idea because this is considered to be a research um, endeavor. Uh, the Uniform um, Anatomical Donation Act, so I believe it's called. There's a they're, legally they're considered organ donors of some kind. Yes, they're they're donating their body to science essentially, and that's the the laws in which Alcor uh, falls under to protect it. It's a lab. It's not a, it's not a funeral home. It's not a mortuary. So well, that's very um, at some point, at some point, Cryonics Institute was licensed as a funeral home or, or a cemetery, but it no longer is. And I'm not quite sure where it falls at this point. I think it's just um, doing its best to to utilize the, the laws that are already on the books when it comes to the disposal of human remains, but it doesn't quite fall under any specific category of its own. 
So, bringing this to the Supreme Court will bring publicity, but it will certainly bring some detractors, too. People who thought that this was relegated to the realm of science fiction. You know, it surprises me to hear the feedback from the press. I was expecting more negativity, and I'm not getting it. Um, we've been really thinking about this since... 1990 since the law came into effect well what do we do about it should we do anything about it should we just let well enough alone and 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 not attract um unwelcome publicity to the issue um there are many people within the chronic community that are fearful that bringing this to um to the public level will make things worse it, will, it may cause laws to be enacted in other provinces or in other states that may be anti-chronics but I really can't be afraid of that. I think that this is a human rights issue. This is a choice issue. What do I want to do with myself when I can no longer speak for myself? And um, the feedback that I've heard so far from the press, and this is from mainstream national news, is has been very positive. They may not necessarily agree with cryonics, but they certainly believe that we should have the right to, uh, to say on what happens to ourselves when we um when we're legally dead and i also think what's really been uh beneficial has been that the supreme court recently passed a law that allows some um, assisted suicide in canada and this came just before this um challenge to the supreme court so many journalists are looking upon this as saying well you can end your life if you wish why can't you prolong it if you wish so the timing, I don't think, could, be, could have been any better. Well, I suppose I'm thinking of it from the vantage point of the Deep South here in the United States. Where I don't live. <laughs> where you do not live. And I'm thinking of how people here would react to cryonics. I think... Oh, I can't speak for the United States. I can't speak for the Deep South. I've lived in the Deep South. I've lived in Texas. And I found it to be very different from Canada, and I'll just say that it's um, Canadians tend to keep their opinions to themselves, and we tend to um, be very liberal when it comes to people's choices, um, which I'm grateful for, to be honest. The United States is a wonderful place; it's a very diverse place, and I, I really can't predict how chronics would be handled in any one particular state. But um, I know that um, Americans, even in the Deep South, are very libertarian in their um, in their views so i'm hopeful that uh cryonics will always be a free choice within all 50 of your states hoping having said that i think that the the decision of the supreme court to allow um assisted suicide really opened the door for our conversation because i think that that's a much more grim topic and i think that that topic even though it needed to be to be argued um Pave the way for our conversation. And I'm hopeful that uh, that our conversation with the Supreme Court will go as well. Well, this I don't think this really applies in Canada because I'm not sure if you guys use the death penalty. But here, let's yep. say, someone commits a crime and we kill them because we are very willing to do that. And they have a cryonics thing worked out with Alcor or whoever. Would this be allowed? I don't know. Um, 
That's the first time I've ever been asked that question, to be honest. We don't have the death penalty in Canada, so we haven't really thought about it ourselves. Um, I would suppose that it should be allowed. Um, why not? If a person has been put to death, they've served their time. And there may be a cure for their particular pathology in the future. And they may handle their particular type of crime in the future in a different way. So, I, if they can afford it, like everybody else, I can't see why that should be prevented. And Not at all. A more general complaint is that energy put towards preserving people could be put towards other causes. To some observers, it seems selfish. So is this conversation. We're using energy that could be used to warm a home in, in another... I mean, to what degree are you willing to go to help somebody that you don't know um, who may never actually benefit from your assistance? We, we still get in our cars, we still have our jobs and our warm homes and our three square meals a day. Um, I, I have difficulty with that argument. I, I heard this argument actually on the CBC television the other day from an ethicist who was trying to argue that we have an obligation to die. And I took great offense to that actually because I don't think that my death is going to solve the population problem or the distribution of wealth problem on this planet. I think that I'm here and I have the right to preserve my life for as long as I can. Um, I have an obligation to not have so many children that I cannot take care of them and I don't plan to, but I don't think that the two conversations have anything to do with each other. So. That's the best I can do with that question. Um, I'm here. I would like to contribute and continue to contribute in this world um, positively. And I don't think that me leaving or having an obligation to die or not share my resources and instead use them for my own life extension, um, I don't think that's going to benefit anybody in the long run. Oh, and I think I still have the right to pursue that. Like I pursue going to the physician and buying medication or having heart surgery if I need it. Um, if you want to look at a true distribution of wealth, maybe once I hit the age of 50 I shouldn't have heart surgery anymore because I've passed the age of true productivity. You know, like, those, are very, those are very thorny questions and I, I, I don't like how they're worded very often because I think that they distract from the true, um, the true pursuit here which is to give people a longer, healthier, happier, more productive life. And they represent the world as a pie, as a simple pie where everyone just has a slice, where it's very obvious that whether I choose to eat or not, it's not going to put food on the table of a starving African child because of corruption in his country, crop failures, any number of other socioeconomic causes. I agree. So whatever ex extra electricity or labor is required to preserve someone certainly is depriving no one of anything here in the first world or elsewhere. And I don't think it's, it's a valid argument because 
it's the same argument as to what value does a person's life truly have you know and you can stage it in many different ways my, my mother is 70 um, does her life hold value now that she doesn't go to work anymore well I think it does um, a dystopian may, may argue that it doesn't and that she's using resources that could be used for a starving child you know I don't think that that's a fair argument and um, again it distracts from the true purpose of, of cryopreservation which is an extension of healthy, productive life.